1: Hi, I'm Matt Lee, and I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself a gun. gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Very excited for all of you to join us for the season 5 finale of Pod Yourself a Gun. We've, you know, we've done all the episodes. Now we're doing the last episode of mm. the season well uh, said well said thank you thank you i uh, you can tell that i that just did that off top <laughs> uh speaking of, of off top nope uh, <laughs> give us five stars in a review on the uh you know apple podcast store or whatever app you use that uh allows you to give you stars and reviews because uh we love them makes us feel good and it makes us feel important and uh that's all that really matters to me i just want to have more reviews than um other podcasts of similar topics not the sopranos obviously Mm -hmm. because we're the only one um so yeah go ahead and do that immediately and we thank you don't we thank our audience vince indeed well said (laughs) once again matt
2: we all right (laughs) do thank our audience on this the day of their daughter's
1: weddings Oh, speaking of which, you had a baby. Uh, yeah. Congrats to you oh, on you. your baby.
3: Uh, we have not been introduced Sorry, yet. I wanted to say Mazel You had a baby.
1: Mazel <laughs> yeah, to the baby, and that does allow you to talk early. That voice you just heard, uh, you know him from the Distraction Podcast. You know him from Defector. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, our guest today is the returning champion of Soprano <laughs> season finales. David J. Roth
3: is here. Hey, hi. How are you? Just to want to extend again, if I may, to Vince a mazel tov on, on Oh, on yeah. thank on you. What? How do you say the thank you? In, uh, uh, yeah, I don't really know. Matt, are you better? At you being say you're Jewish welcome. Me? Yeah, you just say you're welcome. Uh,
1: yeah, you can just say you're welcome to that, mm. uh, or or you can say de nada. Yeah.
3: yeah. Prego. Also, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, say um, Prego. The traditional Madone is actually usually <laughs> what. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's an Italian baby, so you got to say. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Yeah, salute. Cendon. Um, uh, what is the Tanti one? Tanti
3: Alguri. I always like that one. Yeah,
1: that was Conti Alguri. I don't know that one. I think it that just one means a, good, lot of,
3: a lot of good things. Sick. Yeah.
1: Well. Lots of ways to say it. No Mm -hmm. ways to be grateful in Judaism. Nope. Anyways, uh, (laughs) (laughs) as far as we know, at least not in popular culture. Uh, David, thank you uh, so much for coming back on to Pot Yourself a Gun for another uh, wonderful season finale. Thanks
3: for having me. I enjoyed the last one very much. This is just one season later. and. Tony's in all kinds of trouble, uh, relative to where oh. he was doing great at the end of the last one, sleeping in a beach house he didn't own. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now look, at he was at him. trying
1: to get out of a, a trying to get out of a contract. I mean, you know, to... we still got spec house drama.
2: It's just in a yeah. little bit more in the background in this episode. That
3: was like a nice little callback for me because I've had intermittently since we recorded that episode, uh, the Bada B story <laughs> involved Matt singing through a vocoder to the tune. <laughs> Of somebody I used to know, Tony. Will you fund my spec house? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And now we mm-hmm. have our answer. He will fund the spec house. Yeah, he will. But also, He's like that it. line has been like periodically just <laughs> leaping through my head for I don't know six months.
1: I like that I yeah. created an, an earworm.
2: That uh, was the for most you. memorable line for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. Ah, I mean, you know, I don't even know why, but I appreciate it. I'm glad. You know, I've learned um, that I can no longer show. Um, my Bada B story songs to my fiance Francesca because she has she's like uh, susceptible to earworms in this way where she can't sleep if she has a song oh in her no. head. And so, uh, there's been a few of these where she has been mad at me, yeah. Uh, and will now she will not listen to any of them and she will not share in my joy. Um, which uh, is just sad, but you know, Seems I'm glad for me. you guys it. It doesn't stop you from sleeping last Seems like until it's cool because
3: you've had the opportunity now to sort of stretch out creatively. If she's not listening to them, she won't know how long you spent, yeah. like just layering vocals to replicate a Fleetwood <laughs> Mac song. Like you can hear the hours. It's all on the page there, man. But like you know, yeah. if you don't hear the song, she's just like, oh yeah. Sometimes he makes little soprano songs in his studio for the yeah. podcast he does.
1: Oh yeah, no, yeah. She doesn't even know the hours that I spent uh, just crafting them for for almost no one it's this it's one of those things where i'm like the venn diagram people who like this popular music people who like the sopranos like the middle there is like me and i think alan seppenwall uh i I think i think he would like him uh vince you know certainly isn't you know
2: i love a a parody song especially (laughs) a parody sopranos song i mean it makes sense the sopranos is like
1: a musical term how could you not sing about them that's a very good point. Yeah. Think I'm going to pretend like that's the reason I was doing it. <laughs> yep. But uh before before we um you know uh, were recording this episode, uh David, you were talking about the fact that d- you went on a Soprano's bus uh I was tour
3: auditioning for a job on well not auditioning. I don't know what role it was. So th- we were talking about the <laughs> Soprano's theme song and for reasons that mm-hmm. I can't go into in this. We but, can't go into. But, it. Yep, we're not mm-hmm. going to go into it. But uh, Mm -hmm. I this was like um, sort of a period of peak unemployability for me that overlapped almost perfectly with my entire 20s. And I (laughs) applied for a job that I saw like maybe it was on Craigslist or something where it's basically like are you from New Jersey and like do you talk often? Like, and can you talk about New Jersey? And I was like, all right. Like, That's I think we've. A yeah. huge Venn diagram. <laughs> <Right>. That's opposite <laughs> of Matt and That's all of New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> all, maybe I just saw it first because it was like, yeah, there are literally millions of people qualified for that opening. And it was a company that ran a series of tours themed around HBO shows on buses for tourists. Oh, and there was like yeah. a Sex in the City one, you know, where they take you right. to the bakery and you get a cupcake and the whole shit. And as far as I know, that like may still be running. The Mm, Sopranos one was, you know, I think higher touch because you did have to actually go to New Jersey from there. right? But I interviewed at an apartment with like some other people and I got like, I guess I succeeded because I like showed up for it. And they were like, all right, well, the next step (laughs) for you is like to go on the tour. And so meet at this, like the, there's a big button in the garment district. You meet there and then you get on a bus. I did not have to talk on the tour or do anything but be on it. I was just kind of there. Right. I guess to like observe and maybe to fill a seat because there were like right, maybe right. 10 people that I think paid to be on it. What what year was this? Gosh. Uh, it was while the show was it still was st- on? I believe it was still on. Yeah. Okay. And it might, or it was like shortly after it ended. But I think it was like, you know, in that period. So like mm-hmm. first half of the first decade of this millennium. And yeah, which is a dramatic way of saying 2005. Maybe I just, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know for sure how close it is. And yeah. so you you get on this bus and it's like a bus, you know, and there's a guy that's got the microphone and he's talking. But then as you come out of the tunnel into New Jersey, he hits play on a boombox and the theme starts playing and <laughs> the bus was fucking lit. Like people were so <laughs> excited to hear it, as excited as I've ever heard any crowd to be, like, in a, like a non-concert setting to hear a song. And it's like, I mean, I've done that drive many times, like not to... To brag, I've been through sure. <laughs> been through the tunnel. I've cr- I've done all the the different crossings yeah. to New Jersey, and it like it sucks for a long time. Like you come out and you're just in the swamp, and it's like mm-hmm. Secaucus, and there's you know like a whatever. There's an elevated highway. There's a yeah. marsh. You know, with it's a- why
1: it's why it's a it's a montage. They don't show you going through the right. entire yeah. thing.
3: And so the bus yeah. tour was basically reverse like through that montage like they would take uh-huh. you bought you go by pizza town but you don't like stop nice. you like slowly in the bus go by pizza town and he's like to your right pizza town and everybody's like taking pictures out the window okay. everyone's like
1: cool <laughs> yeah you
3: go, you go to satriali's which is a stage set it's not real but then you could go next door to like an italian bakery and get like and eat it on the bus and nice. then the last stop was at the actual bada bing that satin dolls on the highway yeah and it was like, but it was like adults from out of town going in there. And it was not, New Jersey had these rules about, with strip clubs where you couldn't, you could make, you had to make a choice if you were running a strip club in New Jersey. Like either the people could be nude and you couldn't sell alcohol or you could sell alcohol right. and they would have to wear, you know, little bikinis. And the choice mm-hmm. that that Satin Dolls made was basically that the women would start dancing in a bikini and then remove it to reveal a second smaller Bikini underneath it, <laughs> yeah, and then but you could sell them a rum and coke, which I I remember right. like drinking a rum and coke, and that's not even a drink I like. I was just like, oh, yeah. all right. It was you like you're like when in Rome. It was like three forty five p.m. on a Saturday, and I was like, <laughs> I don't even know, like how would I know I'm doing a good job being on this tour? Like, am I supposed right. to be drinking? Am I not? Like, and I did not. <laughs> that was it. That was as far as I went with the job. Like, but there you were, were drinking on you, the so job. You, they're yeah. like,
2: no, we can't hire this guy. I thought I'd seen... The-
3: Authentic, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't I seem like somebody who's from New Jersey and would. I mean, it was. To look back on it, it would have been terrible casting. Like, it's not you don't want a profile yeah. for italians but like the idea of like if you go on a soprano's bus tour and david roth is your right, tour guide, yeah. like you're a little yeah. bummed because there's a bunch of <laughs> yeah. there's other yeah. guys that you could get that would you know why the hell is hash leading this right tour? Seriously, like, I'd yeah. be like so uh, neil mink played by the actor david margulies <laughs> i actually yes. know him he goes to uh it's a conservative shul in jersey city yeah <laughs> i
2: mean this was like a small pool of new jerseyans who weren't uh, b- being mortgage brokers at that point.
3: The only other thing I can remember was that uh, Vito Spatafor. I forget the name of that act. Is it Joseph Ganscoli? Joseph Ganscoli. Yeah. yes. was yeah. one of the stops was at a mall in Secaucus where you could buy a container of his red sauce. He had like a branded <laughs> gravy yeah. that he was selling, and the yeah you could he get an opportunity. So-
2: I went deep on the rabbit hole with him the other day, and uh, uh-huh. like he was a chef before he was an actor, apparently. And mm. uh, after being an actor, he actually wrote a food-themed novel. Uh, it's,
1: it, he <laughs> a wrote... novel like a fiction. In
2: 2006, Ganscholi published a crime novel called "A Meal to Die For," oh, a culinary Lord. novel of crime.
1: <laughs> what. I mean, how, what? In 2019. Can you read the jacket <laughs> of that? I want to know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I need a hold synopsis. of. I feel like I have a sense Please
3: of the broad strokes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh Uh, oh man,
2: where's the jacket? The Gobba Ghoul
1: was the murderer
2: the whole time. (laughs) I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) A meal to die for is deliciously sinful and fattening. Not since I read Rex Stout's Too Many Cooks while stuck on an Amtrak train have I been so entertained and famished at the same time. I hope Joseph Ganiscoli and Alan C. Kupfer will dish up many more courses in the future. Lauren Estelman, author of Nicotine Kiss.
1: Wow. Oh my God. Well, so, you know. Good review.
2: Uh wait, he's got a quote from James Gandolfini. It's big night meets goodfellas. And that's all. That's quote. it? It's just the
4: log line? Yeah.
3: It's just the log line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, log I've line. been told like, that it's big night meets goodfellas. I'm very busy.
1: <laughs> I don't I will not say whether or not I like it, but I will say it reminded me of both of these <laughs> things combined.
2: Do you want you wanna do you want the like uh the plot? Please, please. Benny LaCoco is a food fence. A load of frozen <laughs> shrimp food, falls off a, food a truck. What? A food, a food fence. fence. Yeah. What's a food fence? He fences fence? food. Yeah. Fool.
3: So it's like say oh, say okay. a bunch of cuttlefish falls off the back of a truck. He can get yeah. you a deal on that. Exactly. Okay.
2: All right. A load of frozen shrimp falls off of a truck, or perhaps a few cases of oh, olive oil, <laughs> or some nice expensive wine with an unpronounceable name comes into your possession. Benny is the guy who can move it for you. No questions asked. He's well
3: connected. Why? Because he has a truck too. <laughs> He's a man, well, like wh- the man with <laughs> a van. Mysteries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, keep going. I'm sorry. He's well
2: connected and a man of respect, but there is another side to Benny. He's a gourmet cook who once aspired to be a renowned restaurateur, but business and other matters equally unsavory got in the way. Mm. Na- now Benny has been summoned to cook a special meal for some of his associates on the occasion of the big man being sent up the river. This gives Benny the chance to prepare the meal of his life, a meal to die for, because word has it that someone in their midst is a rat and some things just can't be forgiven.
1: So it's set at like a dinner party that he is preparing to cook for. Indeed, indeed.
2: From the the abundant antipasto of chicken liver mousse, prosciutto-wrapped asparagus, grilled sardines, and other delicacies, to the creamy delight of crayfish bisque, three types of pasta, and main entrees of roasted lamb, baked snapper, and chicken with artichokes and sausage, we are treated to flashbacks of Benny's life in a novel that blends the best of Big Night with Goodfellas. Wait, so
3: so, so Gandolfini basically read the text... (laughs) Yeah, on the inside jacket of the book and was like, can I just... I thought that was good. Can you just tr- attribute that to me?
2: <laughs> you, there's there's you one just... from Bobby Bacala, too. Oh, good. A tasty slice of mob life. That's well, it. Well... Yep.
1: Well, it's something, though.
2: Yeah, you hey, know, the author of Nicotine Kiss, she had a lot to say. Yeah, so. she, she had a like, lot to say. I read it on a train, yeah. and I immediately
3: wanted a sanguine. It was,
1: <laughs> it was worse. She said, "This reminds me of another good book I read while I was on a train and stuck and had to read."
3: <laughs>
5: like
1: everyone's being very underhanded. That's not nice, um, but you know, it's probably a great book. Uh, I we definitely have to check it out. Yeah, and J- Joseph, great. we need you on the pod. You're, uh, you know, you're a hell of a guy, an amazing actor, and I want to try your red sauce, because if you're listening, if you just so happen to be listening, he listens
3: to most podcasts that I go on.
1: Yeah, he's a big
3: defector fan. Yeah, the Hallmark podcast, all of them. He's just he can't get enough of my vocal. Can't get enough. He's like they should have given that kid the bus tour job. He had something.
1: (laughs) That guy was special. (laughs) Well, this is not a podcast about the various side projects of former cast members of The Sopranos. No, this is a Sopranos podcast, uh, explicitly. And we cannot start the podcast, as you all know, without first playing the theme song.
4: Pod. Pod. Pod
1: Podcast the all Pod 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 We are going to be talking about from season five of The Sopranos, episode 13, All Due Respect, which premiered on June 6th, 2004. Vince Mancini, could you please break us off a little piece of that synopsis?
2: Tony realizes that he must take care of family messes himself in order to keep the peace
1: within his own clan. Mm. yep short and that sweet that's what it's about sure that's what it is yep. yeah that is uh you know that was the review on the jacket of the book that vince yeah. that uh, <laughs> james gandolfini gave it uh-huh well this episode um so vince what, what was happening uh in america and the world at the time that this episode that's right out? you
2: know we can't evaluate art without knowing the context in which it was released mm-hmm. experienced uh, and for that, we go to the remember when machine. Walk,
4: walk, tally, daddy, baba, shoo, remember then, 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 then. Remember when Remember when is the lowest form of conversation.
2: That's right. We're going all the way back to June 6th, 2004. Uh, a lot of things were going on at the time. It was the 60th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. Hmm. Uh, you know, when they landed on the beach. Mm. I remember that. All this stuff. And they got that guy's brother back because yeah. he was the last one. Tom Sizemore was, uh-huh. was there, I think. Yeah, Tom yeah. Sizemore. Um, and that,
1: uh, that Adam Goldberg got slowly stabbed to death. That was dead. a tough mm. beat. That was a bad beat. But, yeah. Oh, that sucked, dude. When he was just like, no, 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 no. And the other was like, it's in my ne yeah. or whatever he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was rough, dude. Yeah.
2: Uh, it was, uh, you know, a lot of things, other things happened. It was the uh, 58th Tony Awards uh, ha- were happening that night. You know, the mm-hmm. big, big winners were Avenue Q, which is yeah. one of the few plays I've actually seen and I'd enjoyed. say
1: tonight, uh, today's episode is uh, another version of the Tony Awards. Yeah. It took too long. We've I'm sorry. We've given
3: ourselves a little <laughs> uh-huh. Tony reward. In yeah, watching yeah, this yeah. episode If I may uh, just I'm going to plus one that With no, something that also Didn't that work was very good. well
1: I'm going to cut what I said And I'm just going to keep Yeah you keep...
3: can re-record it In your voice if you'd like to
1: Yeah yeah I'm, In fact I'm going to do it Yep uh, I'm sorry go ahead Other winners about Best
2: performance Leading actor in a musical Hugh Jackman In The Boy oh, From yeah. Oz Adina Menzel In Wicked uh, Oh yes There's also Good uh, year Uh, Someone Wait best... wait wait
1: wait I'm sorry uh, Avenue Q beat out Wicked For best musical, best Is that musical we...
2: That's right Oh, that's As ridiculous. It should. What are you no. kidding me? Get the Wicked fuck is, out of here. Oh, uh,
1: an amazing musical. Yeah,
2: but it's not Avenue Q. Avenue Q is like something you actually enjoy, not just like, ooh, I appreciated this because it's a
1: play. I liked Wicked because I was working at Juke Camp at the time, and all the kids just kept playing the Wicked soundtrack, and I hated it at first, but then after a while, I was like.
4: It's actually kind of a beautiful
1: musical. Mm. It's about sisterhood. How did we yeah. ever
3: get to a place where it was acceptable to just bring a compact disc of a Broadway show to summer camp? It was true. Can, I, in in when yeah. I was in summer camp too, the kids would show up and they'd be like, "Check this shit out!" and just put like the yeah. Music Man on or something. you be like, "Come
1: on, yeah, just Bye Bye Birdie." And yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're like, "Cool." Yeah, it's the only place I think where you, as you know, uh, an adolescent. Can play a Broadway musical for your peers yeah. and then not be like, I'm going to beat you up.
3: I remember being <laughs> yeah. like not ostracized, but like it. The, I went to a summer game with a ton of Long Island people there and they like just were all issued Billy Joel CDs and brought them to camp. And we're like, I'm going to like everybody's playing Stormfront at the same time from like a different yeah. little boom box. And I didn't even like Billy Joel. I felt weird. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. That's a bummer.
2: There's also uh, apparently there was a play called Assassins uh, by Stephen Sondheim, and it was one of the guy, <laughs> one of the guys is nominated for playing John Wilkes Booth, and another is nominated for playing Charles Gateau, which leads me to believe that it was a musical <laughs> about people who assassinated presidents. And I don't know why that I, <laughs> I think didn't it didn't know
1: that existed. I am kind of down for that. Yeah. I think I would watch that. Sure. Is it just presidents? Because it's possible, it's other assassins. I guess it would be gauche to like also have like uh, the guy who killed MLK, James Luz Earl Ray? Ray. Yeah, James Earl yeah. Ray. Yeah, like a James Earl Ray song would uh, no one would enjoy it. Whereas like every other, you can you know you can kind of enjoy a Lee Harvey Oswald song. Sure, even if you even if you don't agree with what he did, which I of course do. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I will not kill the president. <laughs> <laughs> other things
2: uh, that were going on. Uh, we've got a couple of really fun articles this week uh, First there is it's about There's an article about Napoleon Dynamite Which is coming out this week mm, um, This yeah. is in the post Napoleon Dynamite He's a lovable geek with a mean streak uh, What?
1: The history, when was he mean? The
2: history of cinema is littered with memorable geeks From Poor Little Wiener Dog and Welcome to the Dollhouse To Max Fisher The bespectacled oddball from Rushmore But you've never met a nerd like Napoleon Dynamite A swizzle stick of eccentricity from his tight red perm to his distressing moon boots. The hero of the hilariously warped teen comedy Napoleon
3: Dynamite is a cult figure in the making. I saw uh, recently we were talking at work about the Tremors family of of films, the Tremors Tremors cinematic universe. The most recent one of them, which is from 2020, has uh, John Heater is the guy that isn't Michael Gross that appears above the title in that.
1: Oh, Oh. John Heater is now doing Tremors
3: movies. Yeah. He, he looks well he looks fit um, I don't know why he was He's doing getting, that but I guess maybe it's fun to do a Tremors movie
2: Yeah, I think you know you work is
3: work work is work he yeah. was
2: 26 when this article came out so you know do the math on that yeah fuck uh, Jared Jesus. and his Jared Hess and his wife were 24 and 23 yeah we got another article even more important I would argue um, yeah this one's from the New York Times for Bush and Chirac it's a cow connection yeah <laughs> Despite differences in style and substance, President Bush and President Jacques Chirac have something – who have discovered something in common, a passion for cows.
1: Oh, my good God. In an this interview – <laughs> in, in this interview. is a, Oh, my God.
3: This is an article – this was published? In the New York Times. The New York Times. <laughs> yeah. So that is that a big newspaper? I don't follow this very closely, but that is that one of the biggies? <laughs> they do the it's crosswords. one of the three. <laughs>
2: yeah. They make the crosswords. Uh, in an interview published in the Thursday issue of Paris Match – Mr. Bush suggested for the first time that Mr. Schrock could visit his ranch in Texas, saying if he wants to come and see cows, he's welcome to come out here and see some cows. Mr. Bush may not have known that the French president, who was minister of agriculture and rural development in the 1970s, is a cow expert. I love cows! <laughs> this is perfect! <laughs> he and his wife Bernadette have their country house in Correz, a farming area in central France and Mr. France Chirac is
3: likes cow Country. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Chirac likes nothing better than to inspect cows at the annual agricultural fair in Paris. What the fuck? <laughs> These sick fucks, dude. This is all right. It is obvious that if the president invites me to his ranch I will go with pleasure, gladly, especially since I seem to have understood that he raises cows, Mr. Chirac said in an interview. <laughs> With NBC anchor Tom uh, we are like
1: this is like mid Fallujah, right? Like, aren't we? What's happening in the Iraq War right now? It's 2004.
2: Yeah, we uh, we're, we're mission in midst, accomplished. We're in the midst of uh, taking out uh, the solder whatever army. Um, mm-hmm. The comments are not altogether frivolous. Sunday is the commemoration of the 60th anniversary of the D-Day landings in Normandy uh better tie this back to cows quick
3: or else this yeah, is really- <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got two sentences yep. <laughs> to get this back to cows
2: iraq is at a crucial stage at the united nations and the two men are straining to get along
3: this is like this could be it this could be the thing that makes it possible yeah this for is the thing that succeed. finally
1: yeah we finally get to have peace between france and america What's funny,
3: so this is june of 2004 so basically like bush is is on his way to re-election on a Mm -hmm. campaign of we're going to keep doing the war and also gay people can't get married. Mm -hmm. And this is the coverage that he's getting in June in the New York Times. Yeah. Well, Well, you know, pretty good
2: talking about the cows.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, they're trying to keep the, it light. Is this in the news section, or is this in the farm animals section? Because the, there's <laughs> this is, different you know, mandate. This is actually all just the
1: crossword. <laughs> all, every word <laughs> is just an answer <laughs> from the crossword.
2: Yeah, I was very involved. It's
1: just a giant crossword where every answer is cows. <laughs> so, yeah, sick. Uh,
2: at the dinner he gave at Élysée Palace for Mr. Bush on Saturday night, Mr. Chirac even went so far as to wave away a Pouligny Montrachet and Leoville Las Casas to join Mr. Bush in a beer. Mr. Bush drinks non-alcoholic. Mr. Chirac prefers light. Mm. Um, The red mullet and veal with Giraud was so good that Mr. Bush confessed that he was not sure the food at the Group of Eight summit meeting next week at Sea Island, Georgia would match up. On the contrary, don't bother, Mr. Chirac assured him, according to a French official. I'm a great lover of junk food. (laughs) God I assume damn. that you will be
3: serving me trash in your trash yeah. country. I, too, enjoy garbage.
2: Please yeah. fill my
3: snout.
1: <laughs> yes, I am very much enjoying this pint glass of melted nacho cheese that you have given me. I love all of your American delicacies. <laughs> Just
3: sneaking oh. out to the bathroom to eat an ortolan while no one's watching. <laughs>
1: As a great
2: admirer of the goat, sometimes I too enjoy the taste of the tin can. (laughs) Uh, Top movie in the country was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. Which number do you you think that
1: was? The number one movie in America. (laughs) Which number Harry Potter movie that was? Oh, I don't know. The Prisoner of Azkaban was part three, I think. Wow, nailed it. Uh, Shrek 2. The day after tomorrow. That's uh, the second one. That's the second yeah, that track. Uh, yeah, that was easier, though. Yeah, that one yeah, was yeah, easier. Yeah. yeah, that was a softball.
2: Uh, Raising mm-hmm. Helen and Troy. Um, oh, hell yeah. And uh, top song, top pop song is still burned by Usher. Top rock song is still cold hard bitch by Jet.
1: So that's a remember when machine, you know, is a, a an amazing time if you were John Heater mm-hmm. um, or a cow in either France or America.
3: Yeah. Never more appreciated.
1: Uh, anyways, so uh, now we're going to start getting into the episode. Um, now, Vince, you read a fantastic IMDb synopsis. Indeed, I did. Um, but as you all know, um, I have about a B story in which I give my own version of the synopsis. Um, and it's a little long mm. but um, thanks for the heads up. I, i've just you know i think it's very important for people to hear it so that they they know what's happening in this episode
4: we've reached the end of season five tony soprano almost RUNNER Auto-tune Well, I can't do that We've been
1: getting a lot of complaints L.A.
4: Matt Flap, flap, flap I won't stop Vince Mancini This is love For the piggies And maybe after I finish the song These songs will join the Patreon <laughs> The finale With
3: David J. Rock So honored so I
4: wanna send happy anniversary <laughs> to your subscription based sports blog. This is a season finale. A <laughs> I would like to say a muzzle tall. It's Mantini made a little boy with this car call. We just don't have oh, a yeah. blessing. <laughs> I'm doing the bridge. Making people sit through, it's my favorite this is the part. The hardest part to <laughs> sing. Producer Brett Fiber can't do this anymore. <laughs> Brett can't do this anymore. <laughs> Vince doesn't like this anymore. <laughs> but we'll probably keep doing it. <sighs> about to a blah, blah, blah,
1: blah. You joke an italian joke a racist accent that i cut in
4: post sorry <laughs> my name's matt but and i need a joke i really do <laughs> i just want to sell my pilot it's my name is girl meets the <laughs> my resume
3: Well, listen. A triumph, David J. Uh, Roth. <laughs>
1: you know, we've
2: been share meets
3: sadness. Vince Manzini. <laughs> utilizes voc- vocoder throughout. David Roth.
1: You know, it was it was you, David, who uh, who reminded me of the existence. I auto-tune. Yeah, was... And ever since then, this entire season, I've been I've been doing auto-tune songs. And, uh, you know, we've been getting complaints. Yeah. People are like, hey, uh, someone said I, I sound too Middle Eastern when I do it. I didn't know what that <laughs> meant. I thought that was kind of problematic. But, um, yeah. I'm glad know, that you decided
3: didn't give in to that sort of uh, racialized I would harassment. And you're like, well, I'm just going to auto-tune my voice even more.
1: Exactly. That only just strengthens my resolve to do, you know, songs with... Auto-tune we're going to put
2: two mosques at ground zero. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyways, this is Sopranos podcast. I explained everything in the first, verse that happens, but yeah. let's talk about now it. Now that we're 40 minutes into the show, let's talk about <laughs> the Sopranos.
2: That's a show. Anyway, listen, see All you guys right. later. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> Sorry. I, I, don't, I have not helped with that. No, well, <laughs> you
1: know, you've, you've inspired is what you've done. Right. And that's, what's more important. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, general thoughts on this episode, uh, Vince. What, what what did you think?
2: Uh, I mean, great episode. Very um, drama heavy, but also uh, in, in in crucial moments, it's extremely funny. Also, um, and you know, it's a good, it's all in all a good finale. A lot of things happened. A lot of things uh, came to a lot go of ahead, and there was a lot yeah. of closure. And it was kind of like, a, well, here we go
1: again. Ending. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: What about you, David? What would you think of this episode?
3: I liked it. I mean, it's less of a – I remembered it pretty well, uh, yeah. which I honestly did not remember Whitecaps very well at all. Like, I remembered right. that it was, like, the one where they fought, you know? Yeah, you remember the fight. But yeah. it was so much, uh, like, acting fireworks and that. This is more what I remember, like, Peaky Sopranos as being like in terms of just, like – a lot of things happening. Like, there was some great AJ shit in it, which is, like... I mean, all oh. AJ shit is great to me, but this is, like, yeah. some really good, weird, uh, like, Lil' Giambi energy off of him in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's and- learned
2: how to use... Like, he- he's he's learned sarcasm, but he's, like, Homer with the Star Wipe where he just, like, can't stop doing yep. it in every situation. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And the and he has- the- yeah, there's a lot ahead. of him also as just, like, this is the version of him that I, like, treasure the most is, like, the sort of confident but, like, not actually doing a good job at anything version as opposed to, like, the mopey one or, yeah. like, the little kid version that, like, this is... Like, he's feeling himself, like, yeah. all throughout yeah. and, like, just absolutely fucking up and being a total louse at every he's, turn, but he's yeah. enjoying it himself.
2: He's entering his Chet Hayes phase and, yeah. uh, yes. and, and, and like, the, the show... Like, on this show many times, I think we've tried to come up with, like, what would AJ's current job be if he was a real person? And, uh, you know, the, the writers of The Sopranos were like, well, duh, he'd be a club promoter. Yep. Uh, right. He'd be a club promoter. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You guys yeah. you guys are really good at this. Keep doing it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's uh, like, weird, too, how relevant his um, specific uh, talent is, too, for, I don't know, like being a guy who who parties and whatnot because that's not something that would um, it, it doesn't feel dated at all like mm-hmm. I still to this day like think about people who I knew uh, like in high school and whatnot who you could tell that what they were going to be was a guy who planned events they were going to be like a part like they were going to just do party shit until uh, they you know drank too much and decided to get into finance and it's like it's uh yeah, it's the perfect job for him. I think now he would have um a fairly successful uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you know, kind of in the vein of like a Logan Paul or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's what he would use. His well, he would
3: definitely be
2: trying, trying
1: to be Logan
3: yeah. Paul. Oh well, well, yeah, no, he, he wouldn't. He, yeah. More like I definitely know what you're talking about. Like I could just like names were sort of scrolling through my mind as you were describing mm-hmm. that type of person of like people that. I knew that we're like that in high school. We were just like really yeah. good at operating a keg, but like not interested in anything else, really. Right.
1: Yeah. There were floating rich kids. Yeah. Is like a very specific type of person who's like they've never needed to have like a goal, uh, because they've never had, um, they've never not had an opportunity to do something fun. Yeah. You know, like like they have too too many opportunities, and it's there's a moment in this episode that I love uh, where. They uh see AJ just on the phone planning this party and uh, like Carmela and Tony are looking out the window at the gardener uh and his son, <laughs> and they're like, you know, maybe we gave him too many opportunities. Like, look at look at his the gardener's son over there. Look how hard he's working. And they're like, Well, poverty is a great motivator. Uh and it's funny because I love it and it's not it's no poverty is not. So much what's motivating them as the uh, fear. Yeah. Because you have forced them to do uh fucking, you know, the gardening. Well, it's both. Because
3: And that was actually well, like a promising yeah. kid, right? Like isn't that mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he had, he to, had drop to drop out of, drop out of college. Out of college. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> Robert Loja fucked his dad up on principle. Right. Like, yeah. just awful.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And now AJ's gonna go take a spot at East Stroudsburg State. Yeah. Which so that right. I, I didn't realize was a real college until it just is a, now it's a real college
3: <laughs> and I think this is again where maybe some local knowledge is like, that is a very good poll. Like that, that is absolutely what at the very least at my high school, but I think at a lot of other like middle class, upper middle class high schools in New Jersey is like kids that, um, that don't care about anything, but their parents have money and they're obviously going to go to college because of what class they're in. Yeah. Guidance counselors love to shovel them towards like state schools in nearby states where they're like, you can play, you want to pay like full out of state tuition, to send your kid to like whatever coastal Carolina or like mm-hmm. just like either a school that has like D one athletics that the parents have heard of where they're like, Oh nice. St. Joe's.
1: Yeah. Like, they
3: got a bath <laughs> Phil Martelli is their basketball coach, you know, like, or like it's like an East Stroudsburg thing where it's like, you know, a four hour drive into Pennsylvania yeah. or Massachusetts and you're like, well now he's at college. Like, yeah. so, Oh, oh we vacationed be-. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We have summered
2: there. We yeah. um, I heard. A, I heard a tape of a musical at a summer camp there once. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I I also love that uh, there's that moment at the end of the episode uh, where AJ is um, being told that he's not going to get any allowance, um, and this is the first time we ever hear the words "event planner" uh, come up, uh, which is so funny because it's like to me a just this. It's always stuck with me forever, the idea of AJ wanting to be an event planner. And uh, I love watching Tony and Carm try to come to terms with it. Yeah, that's like the best thing for him. Is, like,
2: yeah. he has a thing
1: at least now. Yeah, yeah. and I have, a, I have a clip of that.
4: Do the applications. Now. Wow.
6: I was talking to his college advisor. She mentioned that AJ talked to her once about what might be good schools to study event planning. Event planning. <laughs> she says everywhere in it. I am not really sure. Gay? <laughs> I don't know. I know you're around a lot of wealthy people. Well. And then he watches that DVD over and over again. The one with Mike Myers about... What's his name? Steve Rubell, the Studio 54 guy?
1: Oh, Jesus.
6: Just, like, (laughs) the
1: idea that, like, Tony is just, like... I don't know much about events (laughs) other than that that's they're kind of gay. Like, people who want to put on parties are gay people. I feel like uh,
2: Carmella should have been all over this. Like, she... I mean, she's like the event planner of that household.
3: Like, yeah. she That's, should yeah. know how much work. her job, or yeah. her, like, yeah. domestic role there is that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you'd figure that, uh, I mean, I, they seem relatively happy with it. Just like you were saying, David, it's like they, I, I almost feel like they would be able to handle if he was gay. If Because they'd be like, well, as long as he has a goal, yeah. you know
2: <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. He has something to do, someplace to go. That's not it's our like, house.
3: yeah It's like sort of the triumph of AJ's lowering the bar over the previous right. five seasons. Like at this point where they're like, well, he did like throw a party where there was a fight when he let his buddy get beat up. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he took the initiative on a lot of that, not the fight yeah. part, but the rest of it. So, I guess that's good. Like, that's a step are, in the yeah. right direction.
2: Are, are fights that low-key uh, in suburban New Jersey? Because, yeah, like, that. I've seen that scenario play out multiple times uh, where I grew up. And usually, like, there was, like, you know, a few people went to the hospital and there was, like, a, maybe a gun that came out eventually. I think there's, yeah. like,
3: yeah, I can tell you that I never saw a gun in that context. There was basically, mm-hmm. like, two types of fights that you could have in high school, which were, like, the kinds that would happen at parties, which I also did not get in, but which I saw. And then there were the ones that mm-hmm. you could get in, and like, the parking lot of a 7-Eleven. And those were, like, right. way worse. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I if mean you're it near started, yeah. a big house with that much, like, fancy white brick on it, I think that's probably about as bad as it's going to get. Yeah. Right.
2: I mean the part where it started over keg money entirely hit home, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The part yeah, where I it mean, didn't escalate into like you know a fifty-person <laughs> melee. I was like, "What? Where? No one's jumping in? What's what's yeah. going on here?" No,
3: we're that we're that lame in New Jersey. That's how we do it—real <laughs> small, real small, I mean, and petty.
1: It, yeah, it was definitely petty. It felt like really what like the the colors that they were flying. Uh, to know that they were enemies, was they went to different schools. Yeah. Mm. And I, I feel like that, uh, especially in, like, a suburban area, like, that's not enough to make you, like, jump into the dog park. Like, I'm, no one's that willing to defend their school. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> to be like, like, hey,
3: he's he goes to our school. Right? Like, nah. Yeah, the idea of, it, like, you're riding for, like, North Caldwell High School that hard <laughs> <Yeah>. against Montville. <laughs> they picked exactly. some, I mean, whatever. They're all funny towns up there. But it's just basically, like, really, really rich towns where yeah. like that would be the kind of fight that you would have if you were like defending the honor of North Caldwell against some jackass from Montville who thought he could come in and not pay for beer.
2: I did like the right. idea that, you know, they, they look down on some school that's five minutes away as like, Oh, that's where the trash people are from. Can you believe someone from fucking Montville showed up? Yeah, We got to get them out of yeah. here. This is a nice yeah. place. They're nice not allowed. That's yeah.
3: real. Like there's a lot of, I could tell you what people in my town said about people from like Midland park and it's, like, the only—Midland Park had, like, the Hollywood video in it. Like, it served a vital purpose in the broader <laughs> ecosystem of the Bergen County of my youth. Like, I had nothing bad to say about it. Brothers Pizza is there. Yeah. Uh, which that mostly was—you go there for subs, of course. But the—like, there's still, uh like I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going far afield here. But I think that, like, that—yeah, narcissism of small differences plus uh, the idea that basically everyone lives in the same house— right but yeah life, with a different town with the large the entryway idea. yeah yeah <laughs> it's, and, gonna and have also,
2: it's gonna Madone. have a grand
1: entryway <laughs> yeah yeah the foyer is the most important part <laughs> that of was, a cool keg party
2: that was that felt very you know late 90s mcmansion because even mm-hmm. now like i drive around my neighborhood a bunch of ta- a bunch of houses were built in that era like every every third or fourth house has like a pointlessly large uh, entryway where it's like it's yeah. just a two-story entryway for a regular yeah. ass house and you're like
3: what the fuck why did why did they do this dude i saw <laughs> so many of those last week i was out i went out for the jewish holidays and my uh family's congregation they're having the the they had the services outside this year at a day camp that i went to as a child like in like a yeah. little basketball dome and it was nice uh but The drive up there through like Ramsey and Mawa and then it's just on the other side of the New York state line. There's so many of those houses, many of them now and seemingly for a long time, just completely unoccupied, but like Mm. really ugly, garish Mm -hmm. uh, spec house type stuff. That's like in a wooded setting, like it looks like it would be nice if you put another house there, but this just looks like... Like not like Mark Davis's house, you know. Like it doesn't look like a a fucking Decepticon (laughs) logo or whatever is he was going for, but there is like, but it's
2: like a it's a four bedroom house that inexplicably has like a three story. Entryway with like a giant mm-hmm. lantern, right? Like it has uh, like a yeah.
3: great room and a fucking yeah. cupola for some reason, <laughs> and like a chandelier. Yeah, like yeah, and yet at the same time, it's just like on a lot with just like bears walking around it and like a pool you can't go in.
2: It's <laughs> I think the 2021 version of that is uh, just putting putting like prescriptive word art around shit where yeah. yes. like you have yeah. to have uh, you have to have like a patio furniture, but then there's a sign above it that says "gather." Because it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is where people hang out and uh, you know do family stuff, and it's got to be like labeled for the gram for yep. some reason. Yeah,
3: wandering into the house and being like, in this house, do you guys do love? Do you guys do love? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. do you guys do believe you? love is love here? Or
1: like, which humans are illegal? Oh, none of
3: them.
1: Oh, I think I like this. Interesting,
3: house. I feel at home.
1: <laughs> mm. But anyways, Sopranos. In this, this
2: house, we believe Columbus was a hero.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Psychiatry is a racket for the Jews, and you must be loyal to your capo. Um.
3: So yeah, this is you an could episode. Sell that poster, I think, if you wanted to. Oh, I. I in this it's house, one we're the... loyal to our capo in the cursive, the little yeah. like, sort of rinky-dink Instagram cursive. Honestly, yeah, it's we be really 20 need different to fonts, make at least. Yep. We
1: need to make the merch. We need to do it. Um. But uh, for me, this is an episode um, about how Tony uh, is actually a uh, the bear from the beginning of the season. So the season starts out with a, a bear shows up and like holds AJ captive, and then Tony, uh, you know, he like plants himself outside to like fight the bear. But the art is that Tony is the bear. If you if you guys understand art at all, mm. um, is he because the- at the at the end, he comes out of the woods, right? Okay. Like a bear.
2: I didn't see. I thought he was Rommel because of all the history channel. He's also Rommel. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's Rommel, a gen, like, He's a Napoleon, but he's also Rommel.
1: Yeah, he's
2: a general and a bear. Heavy is the head that wears the tricorner hat. So true. Exactly. I had um, forgotten
3: that uh, Paulie had to pay to get it retouched so it looked yes. less like Tony. And I, when I saw the hat, it all came rushing back, and I was like, ah, oh, it's great. Yeah. Like, so was that's really happy to open that one back up I'm gonna oh, I'm amazing. gonna say that
2: that's probably the best callback in the Sopranos, arguably in any series because yeah. like just uh, when you'd yes. sort of forgotten about the Paiomai painting it's right there yep. it's in Pauly's house uh and every time it's just like the perfect sight gag and then my, my question during that scene was yeah. like did Tony like realize that was him still like what what was he what was he thinking about the general guy like I don't know if he
1: I think he knew it was him uh, dressed up like a long a lawn jockey. That's uh, yeah. he thought like uh, that. Basically, Polly took it because he knew it was an expensive piece of art, and then had it retouched. Um, you know, to I think <laughs> to I can't make it tell less he...
3: weird that he had a painting of his boss and a horse in his home. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think maybe I don't know if he actually truly believe that he did it because he was making fun of tony but he was in such like a vulnerable position Mm. at the point at which he's over at the house because he's coming over to polysus at that point to confront him about the fact that um he knows that he is unhappy with the fact that uh, tony b is still alive and everyone else is at risk because he refuses to kill his cousin um so he's coming in ready to yell at him like i heard you had some beefs and then he sees the painting forgets all about it and goes like oh you you just make fun of me with all your whores and what's amazing
2: (laughs) with all your whores yeah
1: what's amazing about that callback you're right i agree it's one of the greatest callbacks in tv history because not only is it like funny uh but it also is the thing that in the end spurs him into action that's the moment he's like oh i am a general Cause he's been, you know, we had when we had Felix on, you know, he was uh, he was making a great point about how like Tony does nothing but wa- watches the History Channel and like shows about like generals like Rommel and sits around and goes, ah, oh, uh, that's like me. I'm Rommel, mm-hmm. and uh, th- in this moment, he actually basically is being told by his, you know, one of his loyal underlings that I do view you as a general. I had you painted as a general, and that spurs him to go fuck it i have to do you know uh a lot of you know i have to kill yeah. someone i love for yeah. the sake of uh you know a greater good
3: and it does it in the one way that i think ever really works on tony which is shame you know that i think yeah. he looks at that and he sees himself fucking dude it up like george washington and he knows that it looks ridiculous like yeah you can see on his face that he knows it's ridiculous and that's why i think yeah. he like is so keen to throw it out and yet like You're right. It's like the thing that's a kick in the ass, as opposed to like Silvio giving him decently good straight advice and knowing that everyone else is mad at him. Like it has to come from him, and it can only come from that place of like woundedness. But I yeah,
2: and it also yeah, it puts him on his heels because he has to he has to remember his horse and get sad again, and then he has to get angry because something made him sad (laughs) and lash out at that thing.
3: Exactly the the Tony cycle they call it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like I think on in a larger sense, like this this episode sort of drives home the point that the show is sort of about like the weight of generations. Like the fact that you can't mm-hmm. control that your, your children are growing up in a different world than you. And that sort of goes back to the event planning thing. Like like, right. like, like AJ has this thing that like he's growing up in a world that Tony can't understand because Tony did not grow up in like an upper middle class house uh, in the suburbs, which was the same yeah. For Tony and Tony's like sort of he's 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 in a different world, but he's still play acting as like the version of adults that he grew up with. And that's sort right. of like the curse of everyone in the show is that they don't they, they only have one model for uh, like what being uh, an adult is. And mm-hmm. it's from a different era that doesn't really fit with whatever yeah. time period. And that it doesn't in. work. Yeah. Like, that's always yeah. the
3: part of it that like I guess also because. You know, I'm I'm already before we like had the conversation about like what 2004 was like. That this is like for all the the sort of like cheesy talk about like masculinity in crisis that you get now, all of which is just basically like weird teenagers on Twitter, as far as I can tell, and Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson or whatever. This is right. authentically like the war was already going, like, pretty bad, you know, like right. where it was going to start to go bad soon, that, like, we already had another one that we were fighting that wasn't going well either, that, like, it was clear already that we were, like, sort of out of answers, and, like, yeah, the solution is always to sort of lash out in that Yeah, order. But there's, like, yeah. the and context like, of it, like, deepens that, because it's not yeah. just, like, him being a grumpy man. Right, yeah. and
2: I think, like, our version of that was... We were sort of raised in monoculture and then we sort of were like forced out into a, into adulthood right as it was dying. So like in our heads, we were still trying to like join the monoculture somehow and be part of like these institutions that... We'd grown up with and we're told, you know, like, oh, here's the thing you got to do. You got to go be part of this like right. larger work culture and get a pension yeah. and have. And then like right, right. as we got there, it was like,
1: oh, yeah, that's dead. Like that's, that's not, obsolete. That's now. Not yeah. That that yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. not a pathway to any success. Yeah. yeah.
2: No. What you have to do is find your niche as like an event planner on.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. I feel like for this episode in particular, you know, with regards to the. um the tony B storyline you also kind of like it cements what the entire purpose of the two tonys was cuz like you've got basically um you've got two versions of tony soprano uh, in like you've got himself and then you have tony B who is basically who he could have been uh in a different life had things gone gone differently You know, in, uh, you know, back if he hadn't fainted and uh, missed getting arrested uh, like Tony, you know, the way Tony B was, you know, what his life basically could have been. And like Tony B kind of like mirrors uh, a lot of the same pitfalls, like they both have rage problems and they uh, they both, I think, um, are just walking like defense mechanisms like they they basically are just resentful at all times tony and uh, b is
2: like the model of masculinity that tony is sort of working off of but he right. a- he accidentally found a new path because he couldn't uh like he couldn't maintain that like he wouldn't he wouldn't have just like killed the guy who killed his buddy right like he he mm-hmm. is uh, he's he had too a little look his-
3: bit of professional managerial class in him in a yeah. way that yes. tony b did not
1: Right, right, because Tony B was locked away. So, like, Tony B is a completely a slave to his, uh, I guess, you know, uh, his impulses in this way. Yeah, especially to the old school idea about, like, blood feuds and, uh, exactly. yeah, you know. And, and and Tony has been kind of, like, whittled down a little bit where he's kind of, like, had to fit in uh, to this, you know, this new world uh, where, you know, he's got the responsibilities and cannot just up and murder philly leotardo's you know uh brother billy um and so yeah it's like he's almost like parallel universe tony uh that like shows up the beginning of season five and then at the end tony has to like close the portal and <laughs> he does that by shooting him in his face yeah,
2: yeah you know he has to kill the generation in which he was uh yeah you know an underling and sort of right. in order to fully manifest the the reality in which he is, like, the boss guy and he yeah. is the leader.
3: And also yeah. it's, like, whatever, has is, like, a member in good standing of, like, polite society to a certain extent, you know, that, like, mm-hmm. never... Like, obviously, like, the work milieu is never going to allow that. But it is, like... That basically, like, he can have, like, a big house in a community of mm-hmm. rich people who are, like, doctors and lawyers. Whereas, right. like, I don't think that that, like, Tony B, like, had... Or, I mean, that was the whole... As I recall, like all the guys that were like in and out of the crew this season that got out of jail and stuff like that, like just didn't have even that like modicum of like sort of life skills, you know, that like they couldn't right. be straight. They couldn't pass as straight like society members.
1: Yeah. Tony B came the closest um to being able to do that, um, you know, with like wanting to be a massage therapist and whatnot. But eventually, you know, he just he was uh yeah he just didn't develop the i don't know the coping skills for the modern world yeah.
2: well he so, doesn't have he's not tied down to like a mortgage and uh you right know, a series of like tony tony soprano is in the world where he has to keep the the business the business going like he's got to keep right the stock market uh from crashing and shit like he yeah. can't He can't actually do the tough manly things that, uh, you know, he's been raised to think that he should because he has to keep he has to keep up appearances, basically.
1: Yeah.
7: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? (laughs)
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tony B is uh, we see him, you know, hiding out at Uncle Pat's farm, uh, nervously looking out of his window while uh, just a a really beautiful sex worker is telling him that he should quit his job (laughs) being a caretaker. I
2: I love that he invited he invited a prostitute over and then gave her a massage. That's just such a a gentleman. Yeah, it really is.
1: And this actually, it kind of made it made me realize, like, because I I don't I feel like this season has been this has been like, been like the least amount of titties that we've seen <laughs> in a season, I think. Because like I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I remember being Sopranos horny, uh-huh. and I just haven't been Sopranos horny in a while. And she was really pretty. I wonder like who she is, <laughs> you know? That's she a has- good coffee table book. Yeah, yeah, all the like beautiful titties in The Sopranos. Yeah, sopranos horny.
3: Something really tasteful to have like on your like if you had company over. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you invite her over for dinner, and there's a painting of her next to a horse hanging over your fireplace, and you have to explain it.
1: Yeah, i just love the coffee table book has a blurb in it by uh the guy who plays Vito, and it goes it has titties from the sopranos (laughs) in it (laughs) it's just the blurb from david chase is just cease and desist (laughs) (laughs) oh man but it would be nice i mean there would be uh at the very least a calendar but anyway my my question
2: like, like i mean you know these are all these are this is like my stupid monday morning quarterback thing but like yeah um you know, uh, Tony B is—he's on the lam. He's expecting to get murdered, uh, or for someone to come try and kill him, basically. And he's—you know—he's right. sleeping with the pistol under his pillow. Um, yeah, which makes me like slightly disappointed that uh, Tony Soprano, the bear, was able to like sneak up on him so easily.
3: Get but, the drip on well, him. Well, he's but...
2: also
1: the bear hunter, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. Both. Okay, I get it.
1: <laughs> like, I—I I feel like it would have been
2: a certain strategy if um tony tipped off tony b but then also told the new york guys where he's hiding because then it's like all right if you guys if these guys kill each other it solves both of my problems at at once you know like i because i don't yeah i don't see philly leotardo being competent competent enough to like catch uh tony b unaware uh right and Uh, that's a good point because he couldn't even I mean, Tony Soprano ran him, ran him off the road into, like, a frickin' uh, garbage truck. Like, yeah, you he, see yeah, that that's when true. he's
3: trying to get in, like, when he discovers uh, Tony B's body, that he's, like, trying to sneak into the door, but he still has a cane in one hand. Right. And so there's part of <laughs> it, but a no, nice little, like, bit of visual gag right. there where you're like, all right, well, yeah. this is... Good luck with that, man. Like, and the same, yeah. same
2: deal with the scene where, uh, you know, Phil and his buddy are, are trying to ask Chrissy's mom where he's at, like... Oh, that whole scene! I'm like, why can't Chrissy just shoot him? He's right there.
6: Yeah, right.
1: right. <laughs> that's one of my that's uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in this episode. I I have a clip of that.
6: How you doing? You Joanne, right? Who are you? Well, we're friends of your sons from Alcoholics Anonymous. What's your name? Well, we're anonymous. <laughs> They see his cars out front. He went to California or Vegas. I don't know.
3: California or Vegas.
6: Where the fuck is he? Uh, Leave me alone. I had a brother your son's age.
4: Please let go of my
3: hand. Where the fuck is he, you fucking cunt? I'll take that disc, man, and I'll ram it up your box. Billy, Billy, please. <laughs> that line was uh, surprisingly easy to remember. Yeah, <laughs> turns out I never forgot Frank Vincent saying that in extreme close up.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like telling him he's gonna ram it up his uh, up up your box box I, is I th- such a
2: weird uh, euphemism for vagina because it doesn't really look like a box.
3: In it's any not way.
1: shaped like a box. It doesn't like. There's nothing boxy about no, a vagina. it.
3: No, doesn't serve the the functions of it. Yeah, of course. Like, uh, I know like what a Gash vagina is. Is more evocative, <laughs> but yeah, the, you know?
5: But yeah.
3: Although it is also, like, Philly's a weird talker. Like, there's a lot of that, like, like he's got a very ornate sort of way of talking uh, ordinarily. Yeah. And then in this episode, he just got a lot, of, uh, was a lot of good Phil Leotardo stuff. I really liked him attempting yeah. to sound like a nice, gentle person at the beginning of that scene. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, not a role that would come naturally to Frank Vincent, but it no. still works out funny in that way.
1: And he had only thought as far in the in the in the whole act as we're from Alcoholics Anonymous, and he had to kind of go off top yep. like that was like on the fly. He's like, "Well, we're anonymous, so I can't tell you <laughs> what our <laughs> what our names are." He was like, like "You could
2: see him congratulating himself." Yeah, yeah I definitely yeah, was like, "Well,
1: that. yeah, that is <laughs> impenetrable logic." Um, but uh, yeah, just there's you know there's a lot of. Um, uh, calling women cunts in this episode mm. too uh it, it's like this is i feel also, like they used
2: box solely because they're like boy we're really uh we've ridden the cunt train too hard right. here we need like something else
1: well he, he, she, yeah he literally just called her a cunt you know mm-hmm. So and, we, can't and say, we're
2: coming off an episode where you know silvio where
1: calls well, silvio adriana. kills adriana and calls her a cunt right before uh murdering her and and it's it's so fucked up. This is also the episode where you see um, Tony and Chris kind of have their first um, post mortem, if you will, uh, regarding the uh, Adriana situation. Um, and uh, it really came so suddenly that they clearly hadn't even thought of like a cover story yet.
2: So like Chris is yeah. just sort of su- like surprised. Ta- ta- he's put in the in the hot seat by Carmela by ask- Carmela asking about the- wedding stuff. Yeah,
1: I I have a a clip of that as well.
6: She was supposed to get back to them with a final decision about her china pattern. And she hasn't returned their calls. Is everything all right? We broke up. What? Why? What happened? Nothing. She left. Broke my heart. Moved out a couple of days ago. I haven't seen her. Oh no, that's terrible. Are you all right? She stiffed me on the club. Never showed up for work. Place is rudderless. Oh my god. Is there anything I can do? No. I am devastated. I, t- I wish I could reach her. Is there a number?
4: Not that I know of.
6: Chris, listen. There's other fish in the sea.
1: I mean, I would... Uh, I don't know. If I were in the mafia, I would avoid any metaphors regarding uh, fishes sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. being in the sea. Yeah. Um, There's other fish in the sea, like Big Pussy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Big <laughs> Pussy's in the There's sea. There's other <laughs> talking fish that <laughs> you will encounter in dreams. yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, the fish motif in general, just if you're in the mafia, steer clear of any fish metaphors because yeah. they're going to, uh, you know, it's going to be about murder. So it's, it's judicious be too editing on,
3: on your part, but then mentioning Fortunoff, a North Jersey power brand of my youth. Really nice there. That's where the uh, that was the place that called about the China. Pattern. Oh, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So. Fortunoff got they got a little too big for their britches, opened a big place on Route 17. And then I think they have closed it since.
1: Oh, uh, like Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's tough.
3: Remember I mean, it when, was you know it used to be the line was around the corner for China patterns, but then at some point, yeah. you know, it just gets much easier to <laughs> get flatware at other places. Yeah.
1: So I feel like Krispy Kreme overcorrected with uh, how many people they thought didn't want Krispy Kreme because I thought they could have just cut it in half and I'd have been happy. You know, I'm just saying I don't know where the nearest Krispy Kreme is to me, and it pisses me off every
3: day. I think hmm. it's pretty far for me. Like they went. Hard as hell on the west coast, but then there was one in my neighborhood for a while, which was nice. I didn't always yeah, go there, but it's nice to smell as you walk by. It was
1: really nice to smell, it's just so good. So, mm.
2: Christopher mentions that uh, the crazy horse is rudderless now, and yeah. uh, and then maybe like a scene later, Benny shows up at the crazy horse, and right. there is an awful new metal band, uh, yes, on stage, and and, and like I don't know if that was. A, an aware joke like this is yeah this is the
1: music that is playing at the crazy horse now that they don't have a woman's touch uh yeah now that they don't have adriana booking the axe it's yeah. like you know they they probably asked benny and he was just like <laughs> i don't know i uh you know i really like fuck stick yeah <laughs> and, you know. the band i actually I had to look this up the band was actually it's called grade
2: 8 which uh, is a perfect name for a new metal band because every yeah. new metal band sounds like a group of 8th graders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 is ma-
1: and is made for 8th graders.
2: Right, They're, yeah, and uh, Grade 8 formed in 1996 in the Los Angeles area. Uh, they released their second album in 2004. Uh, <laughs> on August 4th, 2008, the band posted a blog on their MySpace page signaling the end of Grade 8, stating... <laughs> oh. <laughs> stating I think we are just ready to do other things and we wanted to leave grade 8 the way it was not change the sound uh, yeah go out on top the blog you know? goes on to state that they had started a new project called the kill generation although nothing has been heard of the project since the blog was <laughs> posted <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh well, man
3: yep
5: you can mean, you create, yeah, those everybody. creative
3: differences on stage too it's all in the monitors yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you can well. <laughs>
4: Stop trying to change the sound,
1: Brett. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, uh, the, I felt like the fucked up thing about getting murdered by the mafia is, um, is that you have the added indignity of everyone has to talk shit about you. Yeah. After the fact, like you know. So you know, in the scene where basically Tony is confronting Chris about it, uh, you know. He Tony just once again calls her a cunt. Meanwhile, Chris is like saying, "Oh, you know, she left me. She broke my heart. Mm-hmm. She left work. She's leaving us rudderless at the White Horse." And it's just like, "Not, not only are you dead, but now everyone's going to think that you suck." Yeah. And that's just yeah, uh, that you weren't loyal to Chris. That was the only thing that she was. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, you know, the mafia is not nice sometimes. No, I, think. I mean,
3: it's. It, <laughs> I think that I mean, whatever. I, I'm interested. I'll probably, you know, I'll certainly listen to the next season, and I'll probably watch some of the episodes, too, because it's, Mm -hmm. like, interesting to do. I don't remember liking the sixth season very much, especially the first half of it. And I felt like it was—that what you're talking about, like, basically what we sort of keep circling, which is, like, how, uh, like, stupid and nasty all these people are, is, like, at some point, that clearly starts to weigh on Chase himself, I think. And he is, like, maybe pushing on the bruise a little more than is necessary Like, I mean, everybody knows. Like, it's, like, there was still... Like, the way that the show got covered and talked about and probably watched by a lot of people that watched it, like, yeah, they just thought they were, like, cool guys hanging out or whatever. That's Mm -hmm. always a problem with mob movies. But, like, in this case, like, yeah, you don't need to see, like, how ungrateful and how, like, sort of fucked up and and petty everyone is. It's still funny. It's well done in this season. I feel like they start, uh, like, maybe underlining it a bit much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I
2: Like, I really think that that stuff is kind of important just like to oh, definitely uh, that David Chase refused to make them uh not I don't know like likable isn't the right word but uh you know he refused to make them good people even, like heroes yeah, he, yeah he'd never let you forget that and that was kind of the thing with Silvio too like uh little Steven apparently like really didn't want to do the scene where he like shoots Adriana and calls right. are a cunt and David chase was like, Oh no, you're doing, you're absolutely doing that. Yeah.
1: You, you have to, you're a bad
2: guy. Yeah. He's like, like don't forget right. who this character is. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that but, makes
3: sense. I mean like, and I think it is, it is important because like obviously the other side of that is like, like I remember um, an episode of like the MTV, like real true life, whatever it was, Jersey shore, mm-hmm. where it was just basically like a bunch of like rageaholic New Jersey guys going to like Jenkinson's boardwalk and trying to start a fight like every night and there's a scene where they're in an SUV going there and they're watching Goodfellas in to like get fired up like that's their shit like the way that you might listen to like whatever like, uh, like serious <laughs> by the Alan Parsons no. project before this oh, yeah, yeah. game. It's like the same energy. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah no, there there was, um, and, I, and I've had friends that worked in shady businesses where they used like scenes from boiler room where like Ben Affleck yeah. is, mm-hmm. is, you know, cussing him out. And it's a movie like about how boiler rooms are terrible. And, and it's all about, you know, th- we're, right. we're like trying to explore toxic masculinity, but then that immediately gets Used
3: Unironically
2: I think it was Alec
3: Baldwin And Glenn Gary Glen Ross big goals And you're yeah, like yeah, Exactly uh, No dude yeah. like, it's just, I, don't I think, think it was He's right like, though ABC always be closing <laughs> Think about it
2: I think it was Joe Telling me that When he used to work For Trump University That yeah. they, they used The, uh, the Ben Affleck Pump up scene From Boiler yeah, Room As like an actual <laughs> Pump up jam
1: Oh man Yeah um, <laughs> What What was that
2: this is, sm- uh, uh, this is Smoke and Mirrors by Grade 8.
3: <laughs> it's nice to think of Phil Leotardo listening to a whole song of that. In, like live. Like, like he's you- there and he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs>
2: I mean, can you imagine a club full of people like forced to all listen to that song? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Uh, like just trying Especially to sip your
2: rum and Coke and hearing that yep. song.
1: <laughs> the funniest part is that it's a front. That's what makes it great. Cause like most of the people who are there are there, you know, they buy tickets and they're there to listen to, you know, that they're they like grade eight, but <laughs> <laughs> the rest, the people who run behind the scenes are just like, God damn, Tony! Do we have to meet here? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. can you? <laughs> like, I don't know.
2: Can we meet like can in
1: you a jazz book a club? crooner? <laughs> just book one crooner. <laughs> yeah. Have a crooner night, and that'll be when we meet here. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. It just like reminds me of like um, uh, one time uh, my uh, uh, my headphones popping out of like this little stereo system that I had. And then full blast tool was playing and i like quickly like turned it down because i was embarrassed like i was like my parents just won't get it and they'll yeah. think i'm listening to like devil music or something <laughs> and just just imagining them being forced to listen to fucking system of a down that's uh that's fantastic yeah um but yeah so benny is at that club listening to terrible music and then phil phil leotardo is just going you know scorched earth looking for anyone to you know to in the tony soprano crew to beat up in place of tony b because they don't know where he is and then benny gets his ass kicked which is is very funny because a theme throughout this episode is little shots um little sequences where uh, like the crew tony's crew is trying to guess who's next like who's Mm. gonna get who's gonna be the sacrifice bunt in place of Tony B. And of course, you know, the obvious one is Chrissy, but like Vito's like, hey, maybe it's me. And Bobby Bacala thinks it's him. Yeah. And at one point It's like Benny... a point of pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a point of pride that they might be in the crosshairs <laughs> to be murdered. And then at one point, uh Benny is picking up uh Christopher. And Benny, even he goes like, "Hey, I'm the driver. Yeah. What if it's probably it could be me? Even and you know he doesn't think
3: that it's possible that it could yeah. be him. Like he's like aware that he's like not exactly like a yeah. prize scalp for Phil DeTardo right. in his campaign of yeah. terror against the Sopranos family.
1: Hear and me out it, here, Duke. Yeah. <laughs> but then it actually is him, and that it just makes his." I don't know. It makes his beating funny to me. And I just, I have a clip of him getting beat.
6: Benny, right? How you doing, Mr. Leotardo? I'm sitting listening to WFAN, and I go, isn't that the kid that used to drive for Tony? I'm on my way to the hospital. Well, that's up to you. Oh, (laughs) By the
1: way, it's exactly his reasoning as to why he would be the one. Because he says, you know, I'm the driver. It could be me. And it's actually, it's literally, he's like, (laughs) uh, I looked, I said, hey, isn't that the kid who used to drive? And you know, fucking. Didn't you have three lines in
3: all of season four? (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're the same guy, right? Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's so
6: funny. No, no, I mean my mom, she's... She. Where's your boss's friend? What friend? Don't fuck with me, kid! Don't fuck with me!
4: Where's Blondetto? <laughs>
1: Just see. The sounds of poor Benny getting beat up is like, it is sad. I am not, okay, I'm not like immune to how violence is bad, right? But it's very, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Sopranos does violence funny. Well, look, the Plumbers Union health plan is going to cover all of his injuries. Exactly. I really think this episode should have been titled the Plumbers Union health plan.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take care of him. Yeah. Tony visits Benny in the hospital and, uh, you know, tells him, he gives him he gives him a raise he like
3: it gives him a, prom- like a promotion him. being like if you ever wake up yeah there's a lot of like people <laughs> yeah. like having really bad health shit happening cuz like junior has that too where his, his lawyer has like a stroke and he's like he's going to sound a little stunned for a while but the good <laughs> yeah. news is my, my trial got pushed back <laughs> like, it's all like yeah. You can, yeah the sociopathy again is like pretty uh close to the surface there
1: Right. Yeah, and yeah. and it's uh, funny.
2: Junior can't even give it good advice because he hasn't thought about anything except himself for the last like six months, and also yeah, I- dementia. And
1: also dementia. He's losing his mind, and and this is like, um, this is the most lost we've seen him cognitively in a while. Like mm-hmm. he had that like moment early on where he's like, you know, they got him on some meds, and you know, he finally he's not wandering the streets anymore. But yeah, cognitively now he just like he has no idea what Tony's talking about, and can't help you know give Tony in any way can't give him any any advice, and uh, is sending a fruit basket. So um, what he finds more important.
2: Yeah. So my question about this episode, is this the first and only episode where Melfi actually like
1: gives something approaching good advice to Tony? Well, that's interesting that you would say that. Cause I thought this is the, the peak damn Melfi read between the lines here. Uh, like I thought she did a terrible job. Yeah. I titled this clip. Melfi is bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's always bad, but
2: this is the only time that she, Like, she's like, no, you have to see past your own hurt and, uh, you know, actually make uh, an objective decision here. And that was kind of like what he
1: needed to hear in the moment. I mean, I guess he did need. I guess it is good advice for him and for the mafia in general, (laughs) but it's bad advice in terms of she is unwittingly uh, just. Pushing him to do murder of his own cousin, but yeah, that's what he
3: has very, to do. Though she's very aggressive too for that context. Like I always thought that the therapy scenes, as somebody who's like a long time therapy vet, like yeah. they generally get the beats right. And in this case, she's like yeah. getting in his ass from Jump Street on that, and yeah. it's like well, I mean, you have the clip, but it's like it's a little jarring. Like yeah, the advice is good and stuff, but it was like that felt less true to life than usual for me.
1: Yeah, because it's coming from. um I don't know, it's coming from a place of exasperation and annoyance that she can't uh, give advice without knowing the details, but yeah. she continues to do so anyways. So So it's all,
6: it's all, yeah, I have the clip. This is very difficult for me treating you. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to be difficult here. We spent hours getting to the realization that your feelings for your cousin stem from guilt and shame. Do you remember that? Do you care? Yeah, it's just that it doesn't matter now. It's just that here we are, as always, back at square one, with you going into high sentimentality mode. Sentimentality mode? We were children together! What I'm saying is, whatever you want to do, vis-a-vis your cousin, your son, whoever, own your feelings.
1: I'm very confused. He's very confused because he's <laughs> like she's right. <laughs> yeah. she's right in that
2: instance, though.
1: Well, yeah, but like, he is completely one... acting out
2: of his own, uh, you know, sentimentality. Feelings of, if, yeah, he's acting out of sentimentality and guilt, and not like doing what is best going forward.
1: Yeah, I, g- I guess it's true, but I guess because you know, had Melfi known the context of what uh, he Tony was considering doing with his cousin, I have a feeling she'd be like. Well, morally, that's the wrong thing to do. That is also to do the murder.
3: If he were to say that, that's the one thing that would have broken the doctor patient confidentiality. Of course. I know this because I watched an episode of evil last night where a doctor explains <laughs> it to his patient. I don't yeah. have any real understanding of, of how anything works outside of television. But it is like yeah, if he's same. like, I have to do a crime, but I'm feeling right. a little weird about it. What do you think? Then like. She would, if he said that to her, she would have an obligation to go to the cops with it. So he's like not wrong to be cagey about it. No, right, of but it's, okay.
2: But assuming that she doesn't go to the cops in that instance, which I you know I assume she would, but
3: yeah, it's been established.
2: Like, she what, what, what would she? You don't. You think she would advise advise him against, uh, like killing his cousin or giving up his yes, cousin? Yes,
1: of course. No, because I it, don't think so. He would av- She would advise against it because of the fact that, for her, murder is wrong, no matter what the right. The, but the, the outcome. Yeah. The
2: outcome is more murder because they're all going to war over this guy who
1: killed someone else. I think that she would. She would just abdicate responsibility for. It. She is not herself going to be the one to be like you have to do the murder she yeah. mostly she would just be like i have i don't know i'm out i don't, I don't have any advice for this you don't think she'd I, be like why don't you give them up so they stop like killing your underlings uh i i don't i mean i guess it's whether or not she would actually like give she wouldn't give advice what would end up happening i'm just saying she if she knew what she was saying was actually going to end up in the death of his cousin at t- you know by Tony's hands i think she would be horrified and be a little sure. sad that she gave that advice i agree yeah. but
2: i think she accidentally because of the situation i think she accidentally gives good advice in this situation that's fair
3: i think all the advice that she gives is decently fine the tonally it was a little weird like you're not i don't think supposed to uh, like be that aggressive like she interrupts him when he's talking and stuff yeah. like that yeah. things that like yeah. just therapists don't do i mean i'm gonna be right. already know at this point what kind of therapist jennifer melfi is, is. but it's yeah. still like yeah it's well, bizarre that's,
2: that's part of the beauty of the show is that um in this case also like it, it always shows jennifer i think in a, in a lesser show it would show melfi uh you know doing like stereotypical therapist things and actually like getting to the root of tony's problems but in the sopranos she almost exclusively like reacts out of her own hurt and her own pettiness and her own Mm -hmm. like feelings of like insecurity as a psychiatrist or whatever the fuck and in this case she does uh the exact same thing like she is reacting out of her own uh, annoyance with tony that tony won't tell her So it's Mm -hmm. like it's almost like her own like FOMO reaction, but I think totally. uh, But I just think it's funny in this case that it ends in her actually maybe giving good advice.
1: Yeah, giving. Well, uh, it's funny for me that it ends up in uh, a murder that she help yes to <laughs> yeah push but she along. essentially
3: browbeats him into like i don't think right. it's like necessarily yeah. <laughs> helping she's like are you when are you gonna fucking get over yourself and kill your cousin with a shotgun outside exactly Uncle pat's it's, farmhouse but that's
1: yeah that's yeah. what he
3: had yeah he,
1: it's what he, he did what he had, he to, do, what he had to do and at the end of the day it wasn't necessarily melfi who is the one who was responsible you know sill pushed him to do it his crew was pushing him to do it uh
3: fucking you know melfi pushed him to do it the haunted but it, painting of himself as george washington yeah <laughs> exactly calling out to him
1: it, it was an amalgamation of all of these pressures uh telling him he's got to do it and yeah at the end of the day it was seeing him looking uh like napoleon uh that uh you know pushed him to drive up to uncle pat's farm and murder him and and once that happens Um, we've got, uh, you know, Tony, he returns back to the Bing. Everyone knows what he's just done. No one says anything, but they, um, they show him respect, uh, by giving him fresh Bialis (laughs) and, and, uh, just this like very Italian, like, Hey, we have some snacks for you (laughs) (laughs) because we know you've had a hard time. (laughs) Yeah. The (laughs) only way we can show affection is through food.
3: Like this little Jewish pie yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so my question like what's the uh why a bialy sandwich instead of a bagel like what are the situations in which you uh go to a bialy over a bagel there well when you just murder your cousin i think sure. is
1: one of them
3: it's customary yeah, yeah it is there's a lot of this it, it's i mean like parts of the talmud that are almost never studied
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's deep in there but Which, uh you know, leviticus uh yeah a lot of rabbis they got together and they agreed uh that's for whenever you're gonna do a murder within the family the biali is the way to go
3: yeah that's, and like there's been a lot of debate i mean hundreds of years of debate over whether it should have white fish salad on it or not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and there's and i think there's arguments pro and con that are both right compelling
1: but you know, karite Jews actually—they uh, <laughs> have uh, matzo ball soup when they do family murder. Yeah. So it's
3: it's different, you know. Yep. But don't this, get me I mean, started on the Sephardim. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It's I got. They really, put raisins in it. It's all fucking weird. You oh, talk geez. And stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean, this is sort of goes back to my point about the show being all about like the weight of generations, and that sort of plays yeah. into the fact that like, you know, as a leader, you think you have all this decision-making power but like you really don't like that was really his only play there like he he mm. he could either like he didn't really want to kill tony b uh but everyone expect like every single person around him expected it to happen and in order to like main he could either he could either continue to be the leader and do that or mm. not do it and stop being the leader like that was sort of the only two choices there yeah
1: yeah And that was, uh, it was the correct choice. Um, and you know, as much as Johnny sack, I think fights it at the beginning where he's just like, you've solved nothing. Now Phil Leotardo is more mad than ever. Um, Tony gets him to like, I don't know, see reason where he's just like, all right, he's dead now. Now we settle this with money. We're done settling with blood. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's money time. And, um, you know, they have a a conversation in which, uh, you know, they
2: <laughs> and that was that was the yeah. entire genesis of the mafia was mm-hmm. like when Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano and all those guys started. The syndicate it was basically this is going to be about business now and not yeah. like sicilian blood feuds about yeah, like like omerta yeah who looked right. at whose sister wrong and whose family is feuding with who wh- wh- whose family like yeah businesses <laughs> business is the only thing that keeps sicilians from murdering each other for stupid reasons
3: there's a nice <laughs> moment where, where johnny sack is talking about where, like after he says it you know like whatever i'll give him 25 percent on the casino and stuff and johnny sack's like i think i could sell it like it's just like yeah right we're all fucking assholes here and we only care about one thing so like maybe i'll remind him of what kind of asshole he is and see if that works
4: and he's
1: more mad for
3: lack of a better word yeah it's good he's
1: he's more mad about the uh the fact that like phil is gonna have like more demands than he is about anything else. Like, Johnny Sack is just like, uh, now he's going to want a bit of this business and that, it's <laughs> yeah. just a clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah. He's he's more mad about, like, basically money uh, going out of his pocket and into Phil Leotardo's, more so than any kind of blood feud. This is, um, I,
3: if we're going to single out how good this was as an AJ episode, this is a prime, I mean, if Johnny Sack is at his best when he's complaining about a bunch of shit in, like, a really heated way while barely sure. opening his mouth to talk, mm-hmm. and there's some prime Johnny Sack Complaints in here, like from Columbia oh. Presbyterian while wearing uh, black socks and a hospital gown, talking about having to get a bone density test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. They Remo yeah. primo sack.
2: His characterization <laughs> is so beautiful. Just the way that they made him such a fussy, finicky man who only complains about things. Uh, yep. so, yeah. So good. He is and also just,
3: one of the number one guys from that cast, like maybe more than anyone else. Like yeah. you have a higher chance if you go into an Italian specialty store or pizzeria, yeah. anywhere in the greater tri state area, very good chance of seeing a photo of Vincent Curatola on the wall. And I think he, he just yeah. goes everywhere and he always has an eight by ten with him in case somebody asks. <laughs> yeah and like the the, rules the last episode i
2: i i I don't remember if we talked specifically about it but in the last episode when tony is making the decision to uh like start a war with johnny sack basically right it's like the it's the close-up on tony Uh, watching him like daintily spit out pieces of tobacco from his cigarette and realize realizing that he cannot respect this like fussy fop as a man yeah
1: and it's such a beautiful moment It is a great moment. We're just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
3: Ew. Yeah. yeah, Mafia dons aren't supposed to say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yuck.
4: It's just him
1: being scared of spiders. And he's just like, this (laughs) (laughs) fucking fanook. So Um, then,
2: so then like the the FBI shows up and basically, uh, makes everything that just happened moot, which is uh, so great. Like he could have just not killed his cousin. So my my question here, Mm Hmm. The the FBI shows up. Tony splits. He uh, finds out from his lawyer, uh, supposedly that uh, Johnny Sacks consigliere uh, Jimmy Petreal has betrayed. Right. Him. So my question, like we had this whole episode where Ray Curto is is the, is a rat he's, and he's informing. He's got like so uh. Were there he's got, were there yeah. two rats or was it just Ray Curto and they think it's Jimmy Petreal.
1: Um no it is it is Jimmy Patrial um uh, who have was we, informing Have we haven't met
2: Jimmy Patrial yet have we like- We have
1: we've we've met him a couple of times like he's a very random side character I had to look it up cuz I was like Jimmy Patrial sounds like a name of a character who's been around for a while, but uh-huh. I don't, I can't picture him. And he's, he's like barely in it. I just, he just has a name where he's like, it sounds like Jackie April. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, so you think he's a guy, you know, he's a guy you basically don't know. You see him a couple of times. He's some New York guy and he is the one, the reason why Tony is not arrested is because he's been informing just on the Brooklyn crew. Um, he's not uh, been informing Like, they they don't have anything on Tony yet. Ray Curdo's, like, you know, wiretaps have not yielded anything. Um, Is Ray Curdo
2: basically just the guy who likes to get free food from the FBI? and Isn't actually... Yeah, okay. He's
1: the one who's like, oh, this guy ruined my shirt. I need a new shirt,
2: you know? Which I could, like, I could interpret it that way, which I I mean, I assume that's the way. But I, I could also interpret it as... Ray Curto was the real snitch and they somehow have come to believe that it's Jimmy Patriel. No, no. I yeah, I just
3: assume that there was a million guys informing at every moment, which is, right. again, pretty true to life and how, like, the shit actually works. That, like, right. all these guys are sociopaths and so are going to behave as such. Yeah,
2: yeah, they're, like, still working off of the 60s. Uh, they think they're working off the 60s model of the mafia in its heyday when people actually maybe didn't snitch as much. And right. Uh, but now we're in this new world with, uh, Rico charges and everybody just will snitch at the drop of a hat.
1: Yeah. And you can invoice the feds for stuff. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Seems kind of like a fair trade, but, uh, yeah. Tony runs away and, uh, sits down, um, and calls his lawyer, uh, in the background is, um, a nightmare scenario. um, which is a kids choir singing Mr Tambourine Man um <laughs> did you guys did you guys hear that
3: I did, song? I could tell they were singing I couldn't tell that's what they were singing
1: Oh I could tell it was I like turned it up like what song is that Wait, what, and they're just singing hey mr tambourine man <laughs> play our song. and it fucking ruined me I was like was if that I were the in the background that audience, of I think I imagine in an elementary school yeah. or no, a church after school was, program.
3: Was that Tony was in the... When he made the phone call, he sat oh, out he out the on the the call. outside the school. He's in front right. of okay. the church yes.
1: steps yes. Yes. or the school steps right. listening yeah. you know, to his lawyer talk, but I'm only listening to children singing Mr. Tambourine Man, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> this is uh, this is the only bad thing I've ever seen on The Sopranos. <laughs> and <laughs> and
3: uh yeah <laughs> like finds laughing out. while someone is beaten senseless but like when that's yeah. happening you're like no no no
1: yeah like you're butchering Bob Dylan <laughs> what uh, kind no, of just... god would allow this to
3: happen it to just... me <laughs> it's
1: just like I, like children's choirs in general are like oh god why but like also that song in particular um because they're just singing it anyways so he finds out he's gonna be fine and then uh you see some you know uh rustling in the bushes and Tony emerges. He he's walked all the way back home. He crosses the Delaware, uh, crosses the the Delaware near his house where the (laughs) bear went. And, uh, and he is the bear. He's, he's, uh, you know, that's the symbol. And then he goes in the house and, um, some shitty van Morrison song plays. It's cause
2: Uh, things are just barely working out for him, you know?
3: Oh, hey, there he is! Terrific. That
2: I,
1: pun was unbearable.
2: I know you guys. I know I, I probably took a lot of heat from the listeners for uh trash talking Bruce Springsteen on the last episode. Yeah, and I have to admit that I really like that Van Morrison song.
1: Oh, you know that's all right. That people will people like Van Morrison, right? That's a thing that it's people good,
3: like. It's a of the productive period of Van Morrison. It's not like him talking about how like. Disease, like the germ theory of disease isn't real or whatever yeah that's true. like i can re- I, I can recognize never... that he's a
2: huge asshole and half of his catalog is just self-indulgent warbling but god i love that guy's voice what'd Can't you say it.
3: about bruce springsteen i didn't uh, I didn't uh just said his
2: he whole, was talking mad shit i don't like his whole his whole vibe his whole vibe's fucked to me i don't know about that man i,
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh just just repressed rage right there. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. That, I'm a guest.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, don't really, I, mean, I don't care about Springsteen like that. Like the people that care about Springsteen like that are like literally Chris Christie. You know, like right. people that are just have like a lot invested in him, but
4: he's
5: not a, yeah. a
3: big presence in the show musically, from what yeah. I recall. I mean, like, you know, they Tony's got songs. more just like listening to classic rock radio and stuff. Like there's like the songs that yeah. I associate him with in this I mean it's basically it's like Dirty Work by Steve Dan. Work, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, you know, like things that you would hear on the uh, like I guess it used to be like 1035, 1027 right. would be like your radio station for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Tony, it, it, it's in the last episode, uh it was just that chris walks in and is saying the lyrics to born to run right and and that just you set gotta, vince off and this whole tangent you, about you, how you, he hates new jersey <laughs> he hates america embarrassing. That's right. wow you gotta yeah. throw a little steven a bone every now and then i feel yeah like. v- yeah dude vince said more like born in the U- u.s. gay terrible and i <laughs> well, thought that's awful mm. i thought that was terrible like
3: that, man yeah yeah and uh it
1: goes to tom chode more like it <laughs> <It's- Yeah. laughs>
3: Yeah. Um, more and like he's the like F Street Band. That's what you would have said. That's the, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Cause you, I don't think that about them. It's like more
1: like, uh, Bruce Springsteen because he's a Jew. Yeah. And he wow, said that. What? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, man, yeah. not cool. Just going anyways. In a different direction um, <laughs> and then it fades to black and the episode ends. Um, so favorite, least favorite, real quick. I say my favorite thing in the world, uh, in this episode is, um, watching tony wrestle with the fact that his son might be gay slash an event planner (laughs) just wonderful just wonderful to watch him accept the fact that his son might be gay and possibly be okay with it if it means he has a goal so that was my favorite um vince do you have a favorite least favorite
2: oh i mean i mentioned it already but it's it's just hard for me to for anything to ever top a pie my painting callback like as soon as that painting is there
3: i'm just dying yeah. yeah the visual gag of it just of like that could have been in any sitcom the idea of being like you show up at your buddy's house and you haven't been in a while and there's a painting of you at the house that is yeah. a funny scenario under yeah. and, and before you include because i love that scene very much i think it's probably my favorite from it it also has um Another thing that I have like treasured and really enjoyed in terms of rewatching these which is um Emotional poly Walnuts where he's trying to be manipulative <laughs> and just comes off like a neglected grandma where he's like we well, yeah. don't come visit no more yeah. because yeah. we would I feel like we're not very close and we haven't been in touch the way that we yeah. used to be in touch yeah. and like that's just Yeah. You hardly like, yeah. have a call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's what are your fingers broken? A dress you can't suit. call me. Yeah. Like it's yeah, classic Pauly, like undershirt tucked into track pants, steam cleaning some menswear under a painting of his homeboy and a horse. <laughs>
5: That's what it's all about.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That that to
1: me is, is just peak Pauly and wonderful. And I didn't really have a least favorite. I, I thought it was all wonderful. I thought it was a perfect episode. My only
2: least favorite, which I realize is just like in the immature viewer in me, yeah. was just like wanting Chris to shoot Phil Tardo, because, you know. As soon as his mom walks away, these two guys are trying to kill him. You're not going to kill the two guys that are trying to kill you? Come on. And
3: threatening your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Chris is extremely uh, beta and cowardly in this episode. And it's hard to, I mean, he's like that a lot. I think that's like kind of his character. Yeah, Unless he's like fucking coked up, he's like not really cut out for this shit at all. Exactly.
2: I mean, I think it's very true to the character and that was like a good story choice. But in my like immature viewer brain, I'm like, why can't he just shoot the bad guys?
1: Yeah, I I also think it was like he's he's also dealing with the Adriana situation and his feeling like he's down. I don't think he was high in that moment because I was wondering why he didn't like, you know, consider doing something um, as well. But like, I I think he was um, I think he's sad. He's still sad about the Adriana stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah. I would say it's a wonderful episode. I mean, just like another fantastic, uh, you know, season finale of The Sopranos. Um, if I had to give it a grade, fuck, and I could give it like any letter grade, I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you say?
2: Yeah, definitely like one of the greatest season finales uh, of any show ever. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, I give it a solid B+. Yeah.
3: yeah. This is obviously probably be kind of a letdown for the listeners just because they've already heard it a couple times. But I uh did the numbers myself in terms of what you know I thought worked and didn't work and I also landed pretty squarely on on a B plus the eighty eight eighty nine. Yeah.
1: Well I think I think that's fair. Fair is fair. It is a B plus episode of Sopranos and a fucking A plus episode of Pod Yourself
3: hey. a gun. Hey Thanks for making the longest song you've ever made and having my name in it. <laughs> it means a lot. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. <laughs> Prego, or, you know, however you say it in Jew. I'm just going to uh, mail you a Bialy. Yes, please do. Uh, David, where can people find you on the internet or any of your content?
3: Great question. Thanks for asking. Uh, I work for a subscription-based sports website, as the <laughs> listeners have already heard, called Defector.com. Uh, you, can read, you can read some articles for free, too, like a few per month if you don't want to just subscribe based off... Me but you pulling should. This, pulling this podcast <laughs> off track for an hour and 40 minutes, if that wasn't yep. enough to sell you on our website and a subscription to it. I am a satisfied
2: oh, yeah. subscriber for the second year running. Uh, hey, thanks,
3: man. I appreciate that. The defector, you know, I keep. Yeah.
2: I keep. I think maybe like if I subscribe for three or four years, you guys might have me on the distraction. But uh, oh gosh, keep... <laughs> no. I mean,
3: like we would have you on the distraction. That's the other thing. We do a podcast there. Uh, me and Drew McGarry. Yeah. I mean, I do other podcasts too. I do one that's all about Hallmark movies with Jeb Lund too. But the uh, oh, it's, it's likelier that you would come on the uh, on the distraction because I know Drew's a, a big fan of yours. Either
2: well. either way, you know, I can watch a Hallmark movie anytime. Yeah, well, I Vince... mean, I
3: wouldn't put anyone through that unnecessarily. I did learn yesterday that Bruce Campbell is going to be in one. Wow. What? I'm really interested in how those energies are going to work together. Yeah.
2: I think it well. Feels, yeah, it seems yeah. like it would be well.
3: Yeah, like you might not get the, um, you're not going to get the Lodge 49 Sam Raimi Bruce Campbell, but you no. might get the like burn notice energy B- Bruce Campbell. Bruce, yeah. yeah, he's
2: one of those guys where it's like he takes you out of whatever narrative he's in, but in yeah. a good way somehow. Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. he
3: looks like a a like a cartoon, like a caricature of a right. man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, every year he gets older, he just looks more and more like a, an aged Gaston. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he's beautiful. Um, yeah,
3: that's like, it's better than me. I, as I get older, I just gain more weight in the area between my chin and my neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. It goes.
1: <laughs> well, they say, really uh, like you know, Jews, uh, we age like avocados. That's
5: uh, <laughs>
3: fast. That's a compliment. That's like actually it's, one of the nicest things that's ever been said about it. It's the only nice thing. Yeah. Avocados yeah, it are was, delicious. It was
1: in my You
3: get, you <laughs> get softer. Schiller said
1: on the plus side, yeah, they do age right. like avocados, which are delicious. Like, I don't want have... to get
3: off on a rant here, but uh...
1: <laughs> so check out uh, the Distraction Podcast um, and uh, and subscribe to Defector thanks patreon.com slash uh the eight dollar tier gets you a shout out on Pod yourself a gun vince we have two this week oh
2: man Uh oh yeah i hope hope i can do them uh justice all
1: right the first is gary Klinka. Woo.
2: Uh, We're going to call this guy uh, Hogan's Heroes, you know, because he's like uh, he's like the Colonel. He's Colonel Clink, you know, that's uh, yeah, we call (laughs) him him Hogan's Heroes.
1: Sure. All right. And uh, next is Jennifer Carlin.
2: Jennifer. Wow. We got another Jennifer. We got Melfi. Uh, Mm -hmm. We got Carlin. A lot of things to work with there. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm going to call her the doctor.
1: All right. Call her Doc. You'll call her Doc. Je- yeah. Jennifer Doc Carlin.
2: I was that gonna go with like... something George Carlin based, but I couldn't really think of a succinct uh George Carlin
1: reference, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the words you can't say. I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't have anything succinct. That's no. his whole thing is yeah, long, deal. Long strings of sentences with jokes in them. Uh so yeah. Jennifer Doc Carlin and Gary, uh what did you say for Gary? <laughs> The Colonel, the, the girl. Yeah, no, we call him yeah, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. I guess Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, Hogan's Heroes. Clinka, uh, Gary is someone I know from uh, Twitter. Who uh, he goes by the name Mister Piss, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of my and his Abby is just a picture of uh, Eminem, and. Uh, <laughs> Every time he comments
3: on something I laugh because I'm like (laughs) Mr. Piss, Gary Klinko. More Twitter experience. We've had that we had our defector birthday party and my wife came to it and having to like introduce her to people and be like, this is well, I know him as Dr. underscore ass. Yeah. His real name (laughs) is Jared. (laughs) We've followed each other for a long time. It's really Mr. Piss. Yeah,
1: these are Might my be friends. Goofy, but you gotta call them
3: Mister. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. They call me Mister Piss. Um, so uh, once again, Patreon.com/slash/Froodcast frockcast. 8 dollars tier gets you the shout out. Also, um, coming up real soon, and we're gonna do an announcement later. Um, Vince and I, and producer Brent Flyberg, will be doing a live riff track of. The many saints of newark and it's going to be live on discord so that we don't get like sued or whatever so check that out uh an announcement will be coming for that soon you mark it in your calendars it's going to be a lot of fun broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments and concerns vince what is the google voice number four
2: one five two seven five zero zero three zero
1: All right, everybody. Thanks so much once again for listening to this amazing season of Pod Yourself a Gun. And until next season, don't stop
5: believing.
4: We've reached the end of season five. Tony Soprano must decide to kill Tony. His own mutiny. Johnny Zack wants some vengeance. Leah